1: Hey, welcome back. This special hour of Live mic here at KSL News Radio, we're calling A Year in Review. You've heard this throughout the day today, various programs looking back at 2020, and it's a hard one to look back on, right? I think most of us (laughs) take more comfort looking forward, uh, pretending 2020 didn't happen, and hoping for better in 2021. And I'm right there with you. I am right there with you. But you do in the midst of challenges and trials come away with added lessons there is a certain measure of resilience that you get to enjoy once you endure something and here in utah regardless of uh, you know the pandemic or other uh, challenges that uh, that we've faced throughout the country we here in utah had some challenges of our very own in the natural disaster department If you remember, on March 18th, it was cloudy, it was cold, and at about 7 o'clock, maybe 10 minutes after 7, uh, there was a great shake. The earth beneath us uh, started trembling. I was with my wife and little baby, and I, I didn't grow up in California or on any fault lines, and so my experience with earthquakes was pretty much limited to the annual Great American Shakeout, where usually I was at work and... They tell us to climb under your under your desk or whatever the case may be. Protect your head, and I didn't know exactly what to do. My wife did though. My wife knew exactly what to do. I was ready to jump into the bathtub or run outside or uh, whatever, but she knew just what to do. Got us uh, got us into a safe place, uh, kept our heads safe, and there we huddled until the ground beneath us stopped shaking. Well, here on the air. Utah's Morning News was just beginning its third hour when the ground started shaking. Tim Hughes, host of Utah's Morning News, he on the air described the earthquake and then explained why for a minute and a half the airwaves here were silent.
2: Breaking news on KSL. Uh, I'm sure many of you uh, felt what we felt just a few moments ago. And uh, we all, because of protocol, were asked to uh, leave the building. So we did, but are back inside now. The studio at Triad Center in downtown Salt Lake City. Amanda Dixon working from her home. Obviously, there was an earthquake about uh, two or three minutes ago in Salt Lake City. We are doing what we can to search out any information we can get. Uh, Amanda, I have lived in Salt Lake City for hmm, 30 years, 40 years, yeah. and I've never felt anything like that.
1: Here we can hear Amanda Dixon describing the earthquake from her home in West Jordan. You heard Tim Hughes uh, make reference to Amanda Dixon broadcasting from home, something she continues doing today due to COVID. Uh, but she here describes the experience from her home in West Jordan as she's going down the list of cities rocked by the earthquake, and aftershock hit.
0: That's the strongest earthquake I've ever personally felt. I know some of you have lived in California and may have felt earthquakes stronger than that. But that uh, that scared my children, as it probably scared m- most of your children. And we've received over a hundred texts in the last just two to three minutes of people reporting that they felt that earthquake all up and down the Wasatch Front. They felt that earthquake up north. They felt it in the south. They felt it in Orem and Ogden and uh, Alpine. Quite a shaker. We're getting uh, an after- We're
2: getting an aftershock right now. As a matter of fact. And uh, everyone should know that that is probably going to be the case uh, for some time here.
1: And it was the case for some time here. I remember when it was my turn to get behind the microphone here at KSL News Radio. By that time, we were trying to uh, put together the pieces, see about how long power would be out. And on the line, I had Spencer Hall from Rocky Mountain Power. And uh, he and I, in the middle of our conversation, he was explaining you know, the work that goes into getting the power back on and some of the early estimates they had in terms of, how long utahns might be out of power and right in the middle of that conversation uh, an aftershock struck and it was for me I'm relatively new here to the talk radio world at least behind the microphone and uh, it was a it was a jarring experience it was startling now i uh, tried to be a professional and we soldiered right on but I you know, was in a situation of like, uh, hold on a second, is the ceiling about to come collapsing down on me? Should I be taking cover or do I stay here behind the mic? Anyway, uh, luckily I didn't have to answer that question. Nothing from above fell upon me, uh, but it was quite a day. And you remember it as well. It was a time where plenty of text messages were going back and forth to you, finding out if your loved ones were safe, if their homes were safe. And we here throughout the day at KSL News Radio deployed reporters to learn exactly the stories that you were witnessing firsthand. Uh, One such reporter, John Wojcik, joins me on the line now. John, sir, how are you doing? Good. Good to talk to you, Lee. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, Listen, talk to me about that day. What, What were you doing that day? Well, that was
0: probably right, you know, the busiest part of the day for me. A lot of people are just, you know, getting out of bed or starting their day. But as a morning reporter for Utah's Morning News, you know, right around seven o'clock when this happened, you know, we're right in the middle of the things. I have zero recollection what the stories were that day. Obviously, COVID had already started to settle in. I was working remotely. So I was in my vehicle right outside of the KSL building uh, in the parking lot, kind of kitty corner when it happened. And, You know, for for full transparency, I've spent just about my entire life in the Midwest in Minnesota or Wisconsin. So we have tornadoes. We don't have earthquakes. I've never even thought of an earthquake prior to this. So I'm sitting in my car alone and I just feel it felt like somebody got on my back bumper of my car and started jumping up and down. And I that's where my you know, my mind went first. I thought somebody, a friend or somebody recognized me and was you know, messing with me or something. I turn around and there's no one around me. And then it took, you know, five seconds. I go, this is an earthquake. And I got a couple of calls from friends. First, obviously, we were scrambling to figure out where this happened. Was it centered here or elsewhere? We figured out, you know, it was centered in the Magna area. And as a reporter, you know, you're just kind of wired that way that when there's a fire or flood or in this case, an earthquake, you go to where, you know, other people are probably leaving or getting away from. So I got right in my car and I drove over to Magna, uh, you know, it was probably quarter after seven or so as fast as I could.
1: One of the responsibilities that we have, you you talk about how the job of a reporter is to run towards, uh, you know, whatever is making the news. And sometimes that's a a dangerous scene, a dangerous setting. How were you able to that day uh, continue on with that responsibility running towards the thing you describe as something others ran away from?
0: You just kind of, you know, in a case like that, you're just kind of putting on blinders and not really thinking about it. You're more focused on what's the story here. I mean, I drove over into Magna. I had no idea where to go, where, you know, the quote-unquote scene was, but it was apparent that the story here was just the people that have been impacted by the earthquake all over, uh, you know, the Wasatch Front and to some extent the Wasatch Back. And I got into town and I just picked a random neighborhood, a couple of random left turns, I think, As in some neighborhood, everybody, I mean, everybody was standing out in their driveway, on the sidewalk, on their front. Nobody, it seemed like nobody was in their house. If you didn't know there was an earthquake, you'd think they were lining up for, you know, a Fourth of July parade or something. Because everybody was out in the street talking with neighbors, talking with probably strangers. And I just, you know, got drove up and started talking to people. And everybody just had a different experience. Either it woke them up from their sleep or they were with their kids or they were walking the dog everybody had you know a slight different story some people had experience with earthquakes in the past others you know a majority probably did not have experience with uh, the significant of an earthquake before and you're just working you know all day to tell those stories and really it never kind of hit me and I never felt unsettled until I was done for the day and I was just at home watching the news and then you got these aftershocks happening and that's when it kind of was unsettling because you're no longer you know you're no longer in work mode you're kind of you're on edge a little bit more because you're, okay, these aftershocks, I'm starting to notice them a little bit more now. So it was just a really surreal experience.
1: Outstanding. Uh, John Wojcik, thank you so much for uh, your work here at the station and, of course, on that morning of March 18th when the ground beneath us shook. Thanks again for this look back on 2020. Thanks, Lee. Appreciate it. We're going to continue our attention to what happened there on March 18th when the earth shook here in the great state of Utah. It was 7.09 a.m. When the ground shook beneath us, we're going to take a break. And when we return, we're going to speak to a business owner whose building was devastated that day. Also going to speak with a member of the uh, state uh, division uh, or the Utah division of state history, talking about some of the historic buildings that were damaged. Many of them. How's everyone faring today? We'll find out getting an update ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back.
2: A gun in the face.
3: Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. Pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again.
2: You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on KSLPodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: To this special hour here on KSL News Radio, a year in review as we look back at some of the stories that populated the headlines here in Utah and across the globe in 2020. Yeah, I, I know. I know most of them are COVID-related. Well, here in Utah, we added a few extra stories not so COVID-related. We're taking a look at them now. Natural disasters struck here in the state of Utah. It was mid-March that the earth shook beneath us. March 18th, it was, about 7.09 In the morning here in the Mountain Time Zone, uh, right in the middle of Utah's morning news, you heard just before the commercial break how Tim Hughes handled that coming back on the air after the entire building was evacuated. Now, of course, it wasn't just the ground beneath Broadcast House that shook. No, it was all around the state of Utah. Concentrated in Magna, there was damage to buildings, homes, a trailer park with about 42 Homes within it, uh, nearly every one of them damaged. We've had contact with uh, some of them over the past couple days preparing for this. And tragically, uh, some of those homes have not been put back together. Some corners of the park there, you can see the damage still lingering today. And businesses were impacted. Joining us now is Danny Colosimo, owner of Colosimo's Market and Sausage Factory. Uh, Your factory, unfortunately, sir, was forced to close for a month. Tell us what happened.
4: Uh, well, we had some structural damage. Uh, we lost uh, quite a bit of a, our east wall. And we had some structural damage that, uh, according to the inspectors, made it unsafe for customers to come in. Um, and it was—it might have been a couple of months before we were back up and running. Um, but that was, it was quite a blow. It was uh, very violent. Uh, and uh, it, the damage could have been much, much worse, um, but it wasn't too terrible. So we, we're, we're back at it. We love. I'm glad it's in the rearview mirror. What, How's that? Yeah. yeah. What,
1: what was the nature of the damage? What happened to your building? Uh,
4: our east wall uh, crumbled about half, and then we lost a, an old sign that I just feel terribly about. It was a good-sized sign. It just broke into pieces uh, that, that was on that wall. And we're looking around to try and get a replace. But uh, we lost quite a few bricks. We lost our power. Um, it had a few cracks on the inside. But uh, it was, uh, I, I didn't think it would happen. I mean, I felt the earthquake. And I, when I went down there, I was very surprised that, uh, that we had the damage that we did. Uh,
1: R- remind folks, where exactly are you located?
4: We are at... Uh, Ninetieth West and Main Street in Magna, twenty-seven hundred South.
1: Right, right there in the middle of it. Yeah,
4: yeah, it, yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it was. Like, it really was like somebody. And I say this: it, it was like somebody picked a town up and just dropped it. It was really a, it really shook us. Yeah. It really did.
1: You, as as a business owner there, you're you're more than just a business owner. You're a member of a, a community. What was the sentiment uh, amongst your you know the fellow members of the business community and residents there?
4: You know if it 's possible for something like that to be a positive experience uh, it, it was in that regard because the customers and and all of our people they weren 't really concerned about the physical structure they wanted to know if we were okay and you know that 's just worth all the money in the world and the community really pulled together, really did and from what I understand, there was one injury, and it was a woman about 86 years old, that the doctor had set her arm and she broke her arm when she fell out of bed. But other than that, I don't think there were any injuries and, uh, but the community really came together. Very, very proud of everybody out here and the extended community as well.
1: I know it's a tough question to answer uh, clearly in the midst of like the COVID era as it's impacted everyone's business, but how's business been since you were able to reopen getting that wall repaired?
4: Very good. Business has been very, very good. Uh, we've been fortunate. Um, community support, again, has been just terrific. And uh, I will say this: on March 17th, the night before the quake, I remarked to my brother, uh, "I said, you know, we're doing pretty well considering the virus and everything that's going on." And then we got uh, the quake the next morning. Yeah. But uh, we're doing we're doing well. We're very very happy with the way things have gone
1: outstanding we've been speaking with danny colosimo owner of colosimo's market and sausage factory he uh his business and building the day of the earthquake in mid-march uh lost a wall took him some time to get back up and running uh but have since uh recovered and business is uh going well despite all the exterior challenges that we're facing uh listen danny thanks so much for your time congratulations on getting back up and running and thanks for your story
4: well, thank you, and we appreciate everybody that uh, was concerned, including you guys, and, and we're very grateful. So thank you.
1: Very good. Thanks a lot. I'm going to have a uh, conversation yeah. now with, uh, with Chris Merritt. He's the State Historic Preservation Officer with the Utah Division of State History. It turns out that along the Wasatch Front, there are a number of historic buildings which were damaged to get a sense of what happened that day and how uh, recovery efforts have gone. Welcome to the program, Chris. Chris, welcome to the program. Yes, I appreciate it, Lee. It's, tell me what what happened that day from from your perspective. The 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 buildings which you oversee, what uh what happened to them?
2: Yeah, so our office, you know, we work for the state and so our mandate is to kind of be the the tip of the spear so to speak when it comes to historic preservation efforts statewide and you know, much like your last guest, Mr. Colosimo, I was actually in the Rio Grande Depot downtown during the earthquake and and this poor building is still in bad shape. I'm in it today, um probably not going to be fully occupied for a while, but you know what we saw in downtown Magna, I took a team of my staff out there uh, the day after the quake, went through documented twenty two historic buildings that had received You know fairly significant visible damage and we were coordinating with both the state and county emergency management office and so my team uh including architectural historians and a licensed architect we kind of spread throughout salt lake valley where the majority of the damage is and Within about a day of doing survey work, which is just drive by, we didn't do internal work. We identified over 160 damaged historic buildings, and you know when we say historic, they're over 50 years old. And you know about that time, you know the state was still building unreinforced masonry, so brick or stone without a, without internal supports, and so those are the buildings that took the majority of of the hit from the quake.
1: Have there been resources available to you to you know put those buildings back together and were uh, you know within the one hundred plus buildings you identified as having been damaged were were any of them so fa- so greatly damaged as to render them like uh, unsafe to occupy?
2: Unfortunately, yeah, I mean the the start with the the second part of that question first is we did lose perhaps the oldest historic home in the Liberty Wells neighborhood, the Septimus Sears house. And that was a a stone and brick structure over an an adobe interior wall. And that just, it was in a pocket where it just took a lot of shaking and it lost a significant amount of its wall structure. And and the property owners just felt they had no other choice but to actually demolish that property. Mm. Um, But that's kind of the only one that we've seen that was a complete loss. Um, Now to answer the first part of your question is, you know, that's why we tried to, to get on the ground real quick is our office actually administers a couple different programs that businesses and homeowners can get tax credits for doing uh, repairs from earthquakes or just in general. Uh, so we were trying to make sure that they knew about those programs, but also to identify resource damage. So when the federal declaration finally came in, that those properties that we identified in partnership with the other emergency management offices, those, those properties were then available for aid from FEMA to cover some of the uninsured costs. And so, you know, we tried to get boots on the ground quick to make sure that we could speed our communities um, back up to repair and back up to functioning as quickly as possible.
1: Absolutely. Well, does this change protocol going forward? Did you reevaluate anything about the way your office does business with uh, with this experience?
2: Almost everything from the foundation up, honestly, is, yeah. is you know, we would just gone to telework um, just before this earthquake occurred. So there's very few of us in the building, but... You know, pulling together staff—you know—that I have stretched from Utah County to Weber County to get them on the ground. How do we deal with data as we're collecting it when we don't have a physical office space? Um, How are we keeping my staff safe during a pandemic while we're also trying to do work? Uh, But then also just understanding that this is what I consider a wake-up call. This was a damaging earthquake, but it's not the big one. And so, how can we plan for the big one—the seven-pointer that you know is predicted on the Wasatch Front? And so that's where we're working with FEMA and Salt Lake City. They have a Fix the Bricks program that's been successful in property owners getting their their unreinforced masonry buildings retrofitted. Um, And we're just trying to pull together all these resources that homeowners and business owners can look to to plan for the next one. And that's what we're focused is we're in recovery right now for this disaster, but we need to be working together to secure as many of these historic homes and businesses as possible. So when the next one hits, you know, that, you know, a broken arm might be the worst that we get out of it. And the property damage is much less. So we're planning for the future.
1: Chris Merritt, State Historic Preservation Officer with the Utah Division of State History. Sir, thank you so much for this conversation and your insight uh, into what you do and what you experienced when the earth shook beneath us here in Utah uh, earlier this year. Best of luck in 2021.
2: Thank you, sir, and to all of your listeners as well. That's the way.
1: All right, we're going to take a quick break right now, and as we uh, are at about the halfway point in today's special coverage, a year in review here on KSL News Radio, we're going to transition away from the earthquake and now, take a look at another natural disaster of sorts which struck us here in Utah, and that was the windstorm of early September. The winds blew, the trees came down, there was much damage. We'll speak next with Mark Juke, news director here at KSL News Radio. What did he see and experience that day in September when the winds picked up? That's ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. We are this hour bringing you a special hour, a year in review. We've broken up The assignments throughout the day. And my responsibility was to take a look back on two of the natural disasters that we experienced here in the state of Utah. Uh, I'd invite you to, to download the KSL News Radio app. It's powered by Any Hour Services. There's a specific reason I ask you to do that. Because... Via that app, you can access uh, archived and podcasted episodes of the program, and if you have an opportunity, please do so and listen to the conversations we've had over this past half hour. We looked at the earthquake that struck Utah in mid-March of this year. Earthquakes don't strike too often around here. I know we're waiting for the big one, as they say, uh, but it's a relatively rare thing. Many of the homeowners who were so devastatingly impacted by the ground shaking beneath their homes uh, weren't prepared in terms of insurance, and uh, the sad reality that uh, we've learned since preparing for this special hour here on KSL News Radio is that many of those homeowners have yet to fully rebuild their lives. Yeah, uh, we did speak to some business owners. They were able to uh, get things put back together. Colosimo Sausage able to get the uh, gaping hole in its east wall repaired, and they're back open for business. Reporting that business is good, even despite the COVID area era. We spoke with. Uh, A gentleman with the state responsible for preserving historic uh, buildings and keeping an eye on the history of this great state. And, uh, well, it was over a 100 buildings that were damaged, one, a total loss. Great changes are coming as we move into 2021 as that office looks to uh, revamp the whole way it does business, preparing and being prepared for uh, an earthquake. But, again, that was not the only natural disaster to befall us here in the great state of Utah, if you can remember early on September 8th of this year, the winds picked up. And wind isn't, you know, something new and strange. It gets windy from time to time. But not like September 8th. Nearly 200,000 homes lost electrical power. Thousands of trees. Thousands of trees across northern Utah were toppled. In fact, uh, John Wojcik, as you know, was responsible for reporting on the day of the earthquake. He also... Uh, drew the straw that had him reporting on the day the winds picked up.
0: This is John Mochuk with KSL News Radio, and I am reporting from what has essentially been like the scene of a hurricane here throughout uh, Salt Lake County and Davis County in northern Utah today. And I want to just give a little bit of a, a brief update on where things are at. So, right now, I'm reporting from the spacious confines of my KSL vehicle, just for the reason being, so you can hear me in a second, I'll step outside and show you some of the damage. I'm in Centerville right now at Taylor. Elementary, and I know throughout Salt Lake it's been bad, and of course, here in Davis
1: County as well, uh, lots of tree damage. Mark Juke joins me now, news director here at KSL News Radio. Uh, Mark, first let me say thank you so much for joining us. I've been a huge admirer of yours for years and years, dating back to my first stint here at KSL News Radio. I can remember traveling the country, chasing down uh, presidential candidates, uh, and also a beautiful trip to Washington, D.C. with uh, Honor Flight. Wonderful stuff. You were an absolute expert. When the winds picked up on September 8th, uh, what do you remember from that day?
5: Well, you know, you mentioned that John drew the card. Everybody drew the card that day to uh, cover the, uh, the aftermath, especially of that wind. It's one thing in the middle of it, uh, and, and, of course, we were out in the middle of it reporting because that wind, as you remember, went late into the morning. Uh, I dropped into Salt Lake and right off of Interstate 80 uh, onto 7th East, so where the Nibley Golf Course is. Sure. And as I looked and saw the Nibley Golf Course, I mean, I don't know if literally, but my jaw did drop. I was stunned at the uh, the number of trees that were uh, bent over and blown over, uh, the damage, not only to the trees, but to the things on which those trees fell. And just next to the, the golf course was a, a man who was out surveying damage to his roof, talked about how they kind of huddled for the night uh, through the morning, uh, he and his young family, and just thought, well, we don't know if this house is going to stand or not. And a lot of people had that experience. Now, Interesting enough, interestingly enough, I grew up in davis county we 've had these winds before uh, i don 't think quite as severe, but the thing that I noticed different from this uh, pattern as well it was much more widespread. usually when those winds come in, you know it comes like through kind of over the mountains or through through Weber Canyon and kind of pushes out that way, and you get a little ways away from it, and people you're kind of like, oh, what winds? This was widespread yeah. And this, in fact, even hit up uh, in the Wasatch back where I lived, where you we're usually protected protected from that. I had some neighbors with some roof damage. We had some tree damage. So this was, I think, the most widespread, and it was severe. And it was uh, it was one of those things on the other side, on 6th East, on the other side of Nibley Golf Course. You couldn't hardly navigate going through because there were power lines on the ground. There were poles. Partly, partially bent over, there were trees, there was debris, and people were just out <laughs> trying to figure it out, and I, uh, I, I saw a new version of a compact car. A spruce <laughs> fell over on top of a car, so it was a wild event.
1: You mentioned the the trees and the toppling of the trees. I think that uh, in terms of the imagery that we will carry with us as the the years go by, when we look back on September 8th and the wind that came through, it's the image of those toppled trees, Uh, the giant, giant trees, uh, say, in Liberty Park. So many of them went over that have been growing for decades and decades and decades, massive, massive trees with their root systems uh, upended. Just a, a dramatic, dramatic scene. Talk to me about this. You you are in charge of the deploying of resources here in the newsroom for KSL News Radio. At some point that day, a decision had to be made. We had we were assessing what we were learning from you know various portions of the valley and Wasatch back. You mentioned. Uh, wh- when did it go from just a, a windy day to oh my gosh, this is something different?
5: Well, I I honestly think that was early in the morning. We realized this was something that we needed to get on really quick, and and especially. Uh, share information. Luckily, we have that availability. We have people who are able to text into the show and give us information. We have access to uh, to civil leaders. We have access to, as you mentioned earlier, you know, with the, the earthquake, of people like Rocky Mountain Power, uh, which is a, a great benefit. And that kind of helps us put together and maybe at least prioritize where we send people. But I think, you know, in covering a news story, uh, it's always been, it's we have to be able to provide official information, but it's always been about the people and the impact of stories on people's lives. And so it was important for us to get out and kind of and find these people. Yeah. And I, I want to mention one more image. Please. Uh, I happened to go to the Fort Douglas Veteran Cemetery, and these were trees that were hundreds of years old. Um. And, and they were, I, I bet, more than a dozen were. These huge trees. Trunks probably six feet across. I mean, they were massive trees. And they came down, and, and not only did they damage the monuments and fencing on the ground and some headstones, but they had pulled up a lot of ground around these graves. Mm-hmm. And, and fortunately, I didn't see any, like, vaults or anything like right. that. But it was interesting. The uh, The caretaker of the cemetery, the veteran himself, was uh, devastated. Devastated. You know, by that, it's just like this is a this is sacred ground. And look what this this wind did.
1: Yeah, wind is no respecter a person, certainly alive or dead. Uh, listen, Mark, thank you so much for sharing this experience with us. I, I want to expand on something that John Wojcik said before uh, the commercial break. And it was that uh, that reporters, one of the jobs that they have is when given an assignment, it is to follow that story wherever it takes you. And in these two examples that we've shared, that of the earthquake and of the windstorm, in very real terms, that assignment led them towards danger, that the assignment was to Uh, run towards the danger when other many others are are fleeing. And I I congratulate you and thank you for for knowing that and for being one of those who are out there yourself and deploying others into situations like that. I say that myself as someone who sits in this warm, comfortable studio all day. And when uh, things are scary outside, I get people to call in. I'm not going out there. Uh, But you and your sir, you do exactly that. And I admire you for it. And I uh, am sure the community too is grateful for what you do.
5: Well, thank you. And I will say that, you know, even with the reporters going into those areas, safety is top of mind. And, always. And they're, they're professional enough. They, they work on safety and they especially know not to get in the way of the people who really need help.
1: First, last and always, Mark, thank you so much uh, for your report there. That again, Mark Ju, KSL News Radio News Director discussing some of the decisions that were made and some of the sights that were seen on that day, September 8th, when the winds picked up here in Utah. We're going to take a quick break. And to wrap up, this special hour, a year in review, looking at some of the natural disasters here in Utah. We're going to speak to a homeowner, Lynn Layton, in Centerville, who had a tree come through their roof. Imagine that. What was that experience like, and how has life been since? Have they been able to patch up the hole? We'll find out. Homeowner Lynn Layton, my guest next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. We are into the final segment of this special hour, a year in review, looking back on some of the headline-making events here in the state of Utah and well beyond. Uh, we have discussed two natural disasters here in Utah, starting with the earthquake of mid-March, which had a, an epicenter there in Magna. Utah shook us, scared us, opened our eyes. Let us all know that uh, you know, we might not know so much about how to uh, appropriately respond to an earthquake. I can remember, for whatever reason, my instinct was to like get in the bathtub. Yeah, I was at home with my wife and baby, and I thought, oh, we got to be in the bathtub. I don't know. I, I don't know where I picked that up. Or uh, then the instinct was, oh, we got to get in the door frame. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not sure where I picked that up. Ultimately, what we learned. Uh, Later in the day, and now is, I think, a piece of advice ingrained in all of our minds as we remember the fear uh, and the feeling of the earth shaking beneath our feet that what we must do is protect ourselves from falling objects. You don't want to run outside. Uh, There could be things coming off the building. And if you are able to get beneath uh, a table or a counter, protect your head. That is the wisest move when you feel the earth shake beneath you. We also discussed the windstorm, September 8th. Late in the night of September 7th, early morning, September 8th, the winds picked up. The highest gusts recorded at 100 miles per hour. Power outages affected 200,000 households. One man lost his life. A truck driver, the door to his cab swung open due to the high winds, knocked him to the ground, and he was killed. Many of the roads were closed. Many schools were canceled. And the temperatures, you remember remember the temperatures? 90 degrees, I think, was the high on September 7th. And as that wind showed up, the temperature dropped some 50 degrees down into the 40s. Even some snow flurries reported in Salt Lake City. National Guard was called. Last time the Guard was called for a storm was when there was a windstorm in Davis County dating back to December of 2011. The power outages lingered. Still thousands of households without power over a week after the winds picked up. This windstorm, well, it was such a big deal, it has its own Wikipedia page. That's right. You want to learn some more of the details? 2020 Utah Windstorm is the name of the Wikipedia page. Yeah. Well, some of the damage uh, was felt in the homes of Utahns. One of the indelible images from that day and the days following are the upended trees and the branches littering the streets. Well, it wasn't just the streets upon which those branches fell or those trees were toppled over, but also onto homes. In fact, on the line now, we're joined by Lynn Layton, a homeowner in Centerville, who had a tree topple uh, onto onto his family home. Uh, Lynn joins us now. Uh, Lynn, how are you? Welcome to the program. Good. Thanks. Good to be here. T- tell me what happened to your home uh, on that September 8th morning.
3: Well, I was enjoying, well, I was trying to enjoy a little sleep in the morning, and I could hear the wind out about 630, I heard, uh, a big crash. I went out, and a maple tree had gone right through the. The third of the trees snapped, came through the center of my neighbor in my house. Went in, and told my wife what's going on, and then uh, 15 minutes later, we heard another crash. We both looked at each other, and I uh, said, "That didn't sound good." So we walked in the living room, and uh, there was a three-foot branch sticking through our ceiling, <laughs> Came
1: through the roof. You mentioned yourself and your wife. Anyone else home at the time? Oh,
3: no, just the two of us.
1: Wow. Uh, w- when you looked up and saw that tree coming through the roof, what did you think?
3: Well, it was crazy because that's a ten foot window I have right there where where that you know that room is, and uh, that was one of my greatest fears has always been those winds because I have not on face east. Okay. And uh, but no no broken glass, so I was really blessed. Really blessed.
1: And, and uh, I should ask—I uh, should have asked earlier. No injuries, right? You and your wife uh, remain safe. Your neighbor, okay? No. Yeah, no,
3: na- no injuries. Uh, just you know, got together and started cleaning up. So it turned out okay.
1: We're speaking with Lynn Layton, a homeowner in Centerville, who on September eighth uh, awoke to some crashing and banging, and ultimately uh, found <laughs> found half a tree coming in through his <laughs> living room roof. Uh, what was the extent of the damage? How bad was it?
3: Well, it you know it came through the roof into the through the ceiling, um, so it you know it did penetrate into the house. It took shingles, um, but other than that, you know we had a fence go out, we had an arbor that got smashed. Um, working through the process with the insurance company, I was able to get a new roof. Uh, everything got repaired. You know, not in the time frame you always want, but it got taken care of. so, you know, hindsight. Yeah. Kind of feel blessed at this
1: point. On that day, when I, uh, I, I, to try to stay in some semblance of shape, I, I run. I'm a jogger, and uh, as I was out running along the streets, where these uh, you know, branches littered left and right, and the trees were upended, and I saw uh, firsthand so much of the damage. My, my, my thought was, uh, you know, any one of these uh, bits of damage on its own could probably get repaired uh, fairly quickly. But when it is neighborhood after neighborhood sustaining a very similar type of damage, I can't imagine uh, how you marshal the resources in such a way that the, that the companies and the builders and the people with the skills to address this damage. I, what was the timeline for you? How long did it take to, to get your, uh, your home back to normal?
3: Well, the, the, one of the positive things about having a come through your house is you get top priority. So I called the insurance and they said, yeah, get right on it. Got a tree guy. He says, well, he knew, you know, I told him that it just, you know, was in the house. He says, well, we'll put you on top of our list because we always do that. Give those guys top priority. So we're, we're out cleaning the rest of the neighborhood. Mine's already done because the tree company came, hauled it away. And, um, uh, uh, you know, and then it took a couple of months before we got the roof replaced, but you know, that actual, that first phase of it got done within a couple of hours. And so we felt really blessed that you know that we weren't exposed to the to the elements
1: what will you remember most about all this
3: you know i think probably the thing i'll remember the most is in our neighborhood we probably had over 50 to 70 trees and everybody working together taking it all to the stake centers working with the city getting that you know everybody's needs done and then the camaraderie of just everybody working together you know you grow a lot and uh You know, and and you also wonder, you think, here's all these guys out here with power saws, and nobody gets hurt. And so you just kind of, you know, you just feel really blessed when it's all said and done. Yeah. Because we're all taking care of each other's needs, and everybody goes away happy, so.
1: Well, listen, Lynn, I am glad that you, your wife, your family, your neighbors and friends all uh, are safe and uh, that things are repaired. And honestly, the lesson that you just described to us may be, uh, you know, the, the silver lining, the most important thing to come away from this whole deal with, that there are communities that when a trial faces everyone, uh, those same everyones come together and, and lend a hand with one another. And uh, as you mentioned, out there working with some dangerous tools, everyone came away from that pretty safely. That's uh, likely uh, indicating some sort of higher power or something. Uh, listen, Lynn, thank you so much for your experience sharing it with us. Uh, I'm glad to see things are back in order. Uh, best of luck here in 2021. Thank you, Lee. Alrighty, we're going to take a break right now. Wasn't that a good point that he made? Uh, and, and I'm glad he brought it up because we saw it exemplified in both the earthquake and the windstorm. When trouble befalls us, we do come together. Quick break. When we return, I want to share with you some of what I have learned this past year, 2020, some of the lessons. What has 2020 taught me? This challenging year. I'll share with you what I've learned next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.